Well, good morning. You can thanks, Pastor Dean. I appreciate that. You can you can take your seats. You know, I was thinking to myself in the first service that I was kind of feeling all right after Blocktober. I wasn't as sore as, as some of my uh, fellow friends for, for whatever reasons. Maybe uh, I didn't work as hard or, or whatever. But then I bumped into Heath this morning and uh, I said, how are you feeling, Heath? You good? And he's like, mate, I've been to the gym already this morning. I feel good. What a man. Gets up after a full day on the block, hits the gym in church. Unbelievable. I'm ashamed of myself. But... <laughs> But we, had a, we did have a great day yesterday, and uh, it's good to, good to be here and good to be able to spend some time in God's Word, which we're going we're gonna to do this morning. And as I was uh, preparing uh, during the week, as I was thinking about uh, what, I, what I would share and, and what God was kind of uh, putting on my heart to share, I thought it'd be good to, to have a title. So I was working real hard. I feel like if you can have a title uh, early in the week, you feel like you've had that sense of achievement. I don't know if anyone else is like that. It's young people. It's like when you sit your exam and you can manage to write your name on the top. You feel like, righto, I'm here. I'm in the zone. Maybe. I got a couple of fists. Everyone looked at me in the first service like, you what? I was like, it's a joke. But there's, there's some people here that are like, that's a reality in your life. It's a reality of all 11 years of my schooling life as well. But so I came up with a title. And uh, this morning I want to speak from the, the theme of don't tap out. Uh, don't tap out. And, and when I was uh, you know, uh, a young Christian, I was a 16-year-old kid and, and, and came to actually this church and uh, was a part of this youth ministry. And, and what I've learned over the years is youth ministry uh, in the, the late 90s, early noughties was a much more brutal place to be alive. Uh, you know, the, the, the leaders had a, a lot more reign. So parents, trust me, in this day and age, our, our leaders are uh, you know, much more responsible and, and, and safe and they do courses and things now. But you know, when I was, I was this young person, kind of just anything would go. And so if you were just minding your own business and, you know, going about your, your night at youth, not doing anything wrong or causing any trouble, you know, certain leaders who, you know, we don't want to shame anyone this morning, but Pete Cook would kind of, you know, head in your direction and suddenly you would find yourself on the floor in some kind of uncomfortable position and he'd be saying, just tap out and I'll let you go. And I was like, what? He's like, tap out and I'll let you go. And, and so very quickly, the idea was, the quicker you kind of, you know, tap your hands three times. If you only did it twice, he's not letting you go. You have to tap that three times and uh, he would let you go from whatever painful position uh, you'd found yourself in for no reason whatsoever. And... Uh, I thought, you know, going to youth this one night, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try and avoid Pete Cook. Uh, he's a nice guy, but, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't want to see him. But if he happens to catch me out, you know, just minding my own business, you know, not causing any trouble for the youth pastors at all, uh, I'm, going to, uh, I'm, going to, I'm not going to tap out this time. I'm, just, I'm not tapping out. He can't make me. There's nothing uh, he's going to do. And so I was going about my business, and I happened to have an interaction with uh, Captain Cook himself, and, and I was hanging there, and suddenly I found myself once again on the floor on the tiles in that foyer in a, in a really uncomfortable state and uh, he's going to tap out and, and, and you know behave and I'll let you go and I was like nah not doing it and so he, he twists a little bit harder I'm like you got to do better than this Pete I can do this all day and he goes again I'm like is this the best you you know is this the best you got and okay, until eventually I uh, could not stand the pain any longer and so I tapped out shamefully uh, and then I discovered for, for about a week that uh, my arm from the elbow down was the same size. Uh, you know, like generally your, your arm gets thinner as it hits your wrist. Uh, I, I had what 
a forearm, like a whole forearm as an arm. And I couldn't wear a watch, couldn't, and uh, much to the punishment of Pete Cook and his delight uh, in, in making me tap out. And uh, it's something I learned as a youth leader and continue to inflict on other kids as I, uh, as I grew up. And, you know, my, my, my uh, hurts as a young person got past No, not really, they didn't. But, you know, uh, the, the idea of, you know, tapping out, when it gets hard, when it gets tough, when it gets painful, uh, you know, it, I, I encourage you, if you do have one of those altercations with Pete Cook, just tap out really fast. But, you know, in, in life, the, the, the thing for us is often we just want to tap out. We want to check out. We want to get out of situations when it, sometimes it can get hard, it can get difficult, it can get painful, it can not look the way we thought it would. And our tendency as people, and what my tendency is, is sometimes to go, you know what, this is just too hard, I'm out, I'm walking away, uh, this, is, this is too much. And this morning I wanted to look at, at a passage of scripture in, in Numbers chapter 20, and have a look at the, the life and the, the leadership of Moses in, in one of these moments, and, and have a read through, and, and kind of just pull out some principles out of this, that I believe that if we apply to, to us, if we, we live by them, if we, we work towards these things, that I, in fact we'll live a life uh, that does good things and great things for God that will allow him to work through us and not leave us in that place where we're tapping out because it's too much. And so Numbers chapter 20, we'll, we'll have a read through this. It'll be on the screens for you as well. And it says, In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. You know, this is a significant time in, in, in verse 1 here for, for the Israelite people. You know, Miriam was one of the key figures uh, of the Israelite people, considered a sister of Moses, a, a key pivotal person, and she'd passed away. But also uh, what it represented was the last of the generation who were not able to enter. The, the promised land that, that were going to wander the desert had now passed away. And so they're, they're in that first month of the 40th year. They're almost at the end. That generation has passed on. And so they find themselves really close to the finish line, really close to, to being able to start that journey of entering the next season of what God has for them. In, chapter, in verse 2, sorry, it says, There was no water for the people to drink at that place. So they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought us, sorry, brought the congregation of the Lord's people into the wilderness to die along with all our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, all of which I could probably live without, maybe the grain, <laughs> and no water to drink. You know, it seems to me a little bit like as you read this, it's the familiar story of the Israelites, isn't it? Uh, you know, you read it and you kind of just attribute it. And as I was reading that, I was just kind of reading it through the lens of like, this is the same people that were whinging when they left the first place. But this is like another whole uh, generation who are still haven't learnt and, and still haven't it passed down and still wanting to tap out and go, oh, let's just go, why can't we just go back? Why can't we just go? It didn't seem that bad back there. It didn't, you've just brought us here to die. They, they've lost Picture of the big picture. And I, if I was Moses, I'd be, I don't, I probably didn't have any hair left to pull out. Maybe I'd be starting on, on the beard. And, you know, but I just would have had, you know, you would just get to that point where you'd feel like you'd had enough. And it says in six, verse 6, it says, Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water. 
You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come together at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. He's getting real. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hands and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. This place was known as the waters of Meribah, which means arguing, because there the Lord of Israel, the people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there he demonstrated his holiness amongst them. You know, as I read this, I feel sorry for Moses, my man Mo. I really feel like, you know, in one moment, he's kind of, he's had a brain fade. I think he's had a few over the, over the scriptures, but he has a brain fade. And it ends up costing him that calling to lead those people into the promised land. And, and it seems, you know, to me, kind of, you know, sometimes you can read these things, it seems a little bit harsh and you think, oh God, that, that seems mean. You know, he's, he, he's done so much and, and he did kind of what you asked him to do. He got the water for the people. But, you know, it's interesting that that what God says in there is that you didn't trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people. That there was a lack of trust there. And the first thing I I believe to to, to live this life without, uh, you know, tapping out or, or, you know, checking out from what God has for us is that we need to trust him. That there needs to be trust between us and God. You know, one of the things I despise in life uh, often is trust games. I don't know if anyone... Does anyone actually like trust games? Is there... Cool, there's one person. Uh, one person loves trust games. Sorry, you can, you can zone out for a moment. But I hate the idea that you, you go to something with your friends and it's like, well, if you fall backwards and they catch you, you just trust them. That's, that's like, that's it. I'm like, I don't have the kind of friends that maybe I should trust because I kind of just let you hit the deck and, uh, and it's funny. Um, you know, so, you know, humour outweighs. But, you know, that's how we kind of envision trust in our society is that trust is earned. That, that, you know, I used to get told a lot that trust is earned. People need to earn your trust. You don't just give it to them. You, you, you know, that they prove themselves over time. And, you know, some people will say even like trust is like a bank account. People put money in, they take money out. You've got to make sure. And all of that is, is, is kind of okay. But I believe when it comes to God that he doesn't earn our trust. He doesn't have to earn our trust. That actually what we're doing with God is we're building our trust in him. And the difference between earning something and building something is it doesn't come and go and, and you take it away. That every time we place a little bit of faith, a little bit of trust, a little bit of belief in God, we're building a foundation. And it builds and it builds and it builds. And there's times where it doesn't go away and there's times that things uh, happen that we don't understand. But that doesn't take the trust away because God is the same all the time. And in fact, as we're building that structure and that foundation, it actually gets stronger. And so we need to be building trust with God. It's not about, you know, him proving himself right every time or, or, or things going the way that we want them to, but we need to place our trust firmly in him knowing that he is a good God, knowing that he is a faithful God, knowing he is a God of his word. And the things that he calls us to, he will deliver on. It just doesn't always go the way we think it will. But that doesn't change God. We need to keep building our trust in him. When we trust him, it changes the way we see things. It changes the way we act. When our faith is built up in God, it changes what we can do. And in this moment, the The problem for Moses wasn't that he just kind of struck the rock. It was a sign of him saying, you know what, look at what I can do. He'd done it before. He'd struck it before. 
And God tells him to, to actually speak to it. Speak to it in my name and the, and the water will come out. And the people will know, again, that I am faithful. They've lost their way. They've lost their trust. But as you do that, but in that moment, he's taken matters into his own hands, into his own strength. And he's like struck it twice and the water's come out. And God's still honoured in that space, but not by Moses in that moment. He's had a, a moment where his trust has been broken with God. You know, if we don't want to tap out, we've got to live in that space where we trust God in all things at all times in every area, and allow that to continue to build our faith and build our perspective of who he is. You know, another, another thing that I, I really believe is important for us as Christians is to spend time in his glorious presence. You know, I love that in the moment, in the heat of the moment, the people are heaping it on Moses, that they're, that they're, they're saying, why have you done this? Look at what you've done. And they're, they're, they're critical of him and they're, they're blaming him. And he just turns away and he walks away and he goes to the presence of God and he spends his time there. You know, the presence of God should be the first place that we run to all the time, that we should want to spend time with him, that we should be investing our time in in, in knowing who God is. Uh, I heard a quote uh, a little while ago that says, we listen to reply, not to understand. That we listen to reply, not to understand. And as I was uh, thinking about that, I really felt God kind of say to me, how often do you, do you come to me to spend time with me, to, to even listen to me, to get a reply or to get something or to ask for something, but not to truly just come and spend time with me and understand who I am and just spend time in a relationship with me. And for me, that's been a real challenge to go, you know what, I don't want to just take my wish list to God and say, here's all the, the great things that I, I believe you for and, and, and I need in my life or I want in my life or that I think is important. Here it is, God. God already knows what we need, but he still wants to spend time with us. If our time with him was about a request list, he, he, the Bible says he already knows that. So we wouldn't need to give it to him. But he wants to spend time with us so that we can get to know him. I don't know if you have those, those people in your life, friends, people that you're close to, maybe family that you just love having around, like you just love spending time with. It's kind of easy. Uh, you know, you don't have to clean the house as well when they come over. Uh, you know, there's not as much urgency. And, and I love having those kind of people in my life. And, and yesterday after kind of a big day and, and, and whatever, the last thing I kind of, you know, would normally want to do is hang out with anyone. I'd like want to just go and kind of feel sorry for my sore back or, or whatever and have a sleep, go to bed early. One of our crew went to bed at 8.30 last night. Unbelievable. Uh, don't know how one does that. But, you know, I had a couple of friends just come over, a couple of close mates, and we just hung out. And you know what? I didn't feel like I had to kind of, you know, prepare this huge thing or, or do anything or, you know, really clean up or, or put on anything. We just sat and chilled out. We're all tired. We've all been working hard and all been busy. And it was just great to hang out with each other. We understand each other, we know each other, and we enjoy each other's presence in, in our lives. And I think never, well, not never, but so often I don't view God like that. That, hey, I just want to go and hang out in the presence of God. I just want to be with God. I love him. He knows me. I know him. I want to understand him more. I want to build a relationship with him. I'm going to invite him into my space and just get to know him more. And I believe that when we do that, all the things that we need are given to us. God, he delivers for us. He, he, you know, he knows us. We can communicate with him. We can talk with him. But ultimately, we spend time there. And you know what? We understand more about who he is. And that translates into our life. It changes the way we live. It changes the way we act. It changes the way we trust. It changes the way we see circumstances. And it can refresh us and keep us going. And you know, the last one that I felt this morning, the last uh, you know, point to, to draw out of this, 
is just not to give in. You know, I think looking at Moses and all the things that he'd been through, the breakthrough was just around the corner. It was the first month of the last year. The generation had passed. He was so close. He'd been through so much. But then in that moment, kind of just gives in. And you couldn't really blame him. Like, it would have been pretty tough. It's a hard job. It would have been a hard season of life, hard moments, lots of, lots of uh, not a lot of appreciation, but had done so much. But in that one moment, he's tapped out. He's given up. And it's kind of cost him what God had right there in front of him in that moment. And I believe for, for us so often, the tendency can be just to, to kind of give in. I know for me, just, oh, it's just, this is just a little bit too hard. It's a little bit too much. That didn't kind of go the way I thought it would. Maybe there's something else that God's wanting to do through me or that, that dream didn't come through like I, I really was expecting it to and so oh, it's just, I'm, I'm out now. I'll find something else or, you know, the tendency is just to give up. You know, last, last weekend, uh, uh, like so many other people, uh, in, really enjoyed grand final day. Is there any AFL fans in the, in the place? Is there any Bulldogs fans actually in the place? I didn't think so. Oh, yeah, oh, awesome. There's one. There's a new generation starting. You know, the, the Western Bulldogs, if you, if you hadn't heard the story, really should have changed their name in the mid-90s to the Western Underdogs uh, and, and really, you know, started again. They are, the, they are the definition of the Aussie battler. Spent plenty of time, almost bankrupt at the bottom of the ladder. Any kind of success that was about to come their way was cut short and they, they never made a grand final. It was all these years before they'd play in a grand final. And their, their captain and their leader, so many of you would have seen an incredible moment at their, their end of the ceremony, but he's, he's their leader. He's carried them through a difficult few years. He's a well-loved guy, does a lot of media on TV, and, and I watch a, a lot of football TV. And so you kind of feel like these guys are your friends on Twitter because you follow them on Twitter and you see them on TV. I'm like, Bob Murphy, he's my mate. He's everyone's mate. You know, everyone loves Bob Murphy because of the character and the man that he is. But at the beginning of this year, it was meant to be their breakout year. They were tipped to finish really high on the ladder and, and do great. And uh, in round three against Hawthorne, of all teams, he, he hurts his knee. And there's gasps from the commentators. Um, you know, one of the commentators says, I think he's done his knee. I really feel sick. And they're pleading for him to get up. The coach in the, in the presser after is crying, saying, we, we don't know what it is, but we, we genuinely fear the worst. And he's welling up with tears. And uh, Bob Murphy is left with this decision to make. He's, he's old, he only had maybe one or two years left as it was in, in football and he was playing well but the rehab you have to go through from an ACL point of view to play football again is brutal. It takes a full 12 months. It's a, a really hard road back and for someone his age, often that doesn't happen. And so he's left with this decision as the leader. Do I just check out of football? I can just get my surgery and do enough rehab to kind of be able to walk and, and live normally or do I go through that hard road? And stay the leader of the football club? Do I stay go going in there week in, week out, knowing I can't play? And part of me was going, oh, well, they finished seventh. They're not going to make the grand final anyway, so that's kind of good for Bob. They can all be sad and together. And they, they do the miracle and come from seventh and win. But the whole time, he's there. He's supporting them. He's leading them. He's, he's, he's doing it. And he sticks it out. And that's why I just want to have a look. Some of you may not have seen this. Let's just check out the, the tape uh, from, from last Saturday. I'd like to get Bob Murphy up on the stand. This is yours, mate. You deserve it more than anyone.
You know, I, I watched that. I was at a Bucks day. Let me tell you, if you want a great grand final experience, book Joshua Hegland. He, uh, he will put on a catering experience like no other. I was trying to decide what was better, the food or the football. I'd, it was just unbelievable. I was so conflicted. He was his first grand final party, so he wanted to do a good job of it. And, man, he nailed it. He was like, this might be my one and only chance to host a football function. I don't think it will be. I think I'm just going to book you. Uh, do you take credit? Um, but I'm sitting there at a Bucks day and I'm watching this and I'm thinking, I'm crying. There's a lot of guys around. I'm not crying. I'm like, wow, my eyes. I'm like... And, you know, a lot of people, you know, made, you know, comment on that moment. They should have done that in private or, you know, he shouldn't have given it to him. He shouldn't have accepted it or, or whatever. But the moment I really love the most is not actually him, coach, giving him that medal. It's the bit that happens after that. I reckon the biggest sacrifice Rob Beveridge, the coach, actually made is he's supposed to be standing next to the other guy holding the cup up. But he kind of just takes a background step and lets Bob, the leader of the club, hold it up with the guy taking his place on the day. And that guy taking his place in an interview afterwards, they asked what they thought of the moment. And he said all 22 players at 22 uh, that, that played that day would have been in a line to give him our medals. Because no one, you know, has done more for this club than what he had. And in fact, we wouldn't have got from seventh to third. We wouldn't have done anything or achieved anything this year had he walked away from the game. Such was his leadership. And so in a moment where it hadn't gone his way, where it seemed unfair, where the dream appeared for him to be over, the dream was fulfilled but in another way. And of course, if he had his time again, he would have preferred to have had his jersey on and been out there playing with all the other boys. But I love that that moment is a testament to a guy who goes, you know what, I'm not giving in, I'm not giving up, I'm not letting go of my dream because I don't feel that it's time. So I'm going to stick it out. And he leads his club in a way that he would never imagined. There's many a player that have missed out on grand finals and you won't hear any of their names. But yet what was so special about him was not that he was the most amazing footballer of all time, but he chose to stick it out and lead his club and follow his dream. And that's what leads to that moment of him being able to celebrate the good thing that happened in his life. Now, we look at that and go, some of you are like, Ryan, you're crazy. It's just a football game. You're making too much of that. I get told that a lot. Um, <laughs> don't take it so seriously. You don't even go for either of those two teams. You're correct. I don't. But I love it because it shows us a little bit of our own humanity, doesn't it? A kind of sport can bring out the, the best and the worst, but it also shows us a little bit of what life can be like publicly. But I believe that we all battle this privately. So many people walk away from what God has for them because it doesn't look how they thought it would. Or the dream didn't line up the way they thought. Or it's just been a little bit too hard. Or sometimes we do what, what Bob Murphy had to do for a few weeks and sit on the sidelines and just go, I'm just going to wait it out and see how this kind of plays out and then I'll make a decision. But it becomes too easy for us to check out from what God wants to do in our life. And I believe that today he's, he's just calling some of us to go, you know what, what you need to do today is just not give in that you need to continue to build that trust, that you need to continue to, to press on to what he has for your life. Because you don't know how close that next breakthrough is for you. You can't see it, but God can. I'm going to invite the, the team to, to come up and uh, join me this morning. And I just really feel we're just to, to sing this song that we've, just, we've been singing it over the last couple of weeks that just speaks to the power of God, to the power of his name, to the power of who he is. The sweeping statements that there's no rival, there is no equal to our God. And for us this morning, just to spend some time in his glorious presence, knowing that he is here amongst us. And so I might ask us to stand. And I'm going to pray for us in a moment. But I just had a sense on my heart this morning and, and just wanted to continue to do this today, that if maybe you feel like that's you, that you're in that moment where you're 
feeling like you just want to check out, you want to tap out, you want to just kind of give up. Maybe life for you is, is just not panning out the way you thought it might or your, your relationship with God is, is not in a place where you want it to be and the easy thing to do is to, to feel like giving up. That maybe this morning you might want to find your way in his presence at the front here to say, I just want someone to stand and pray with me. You know, the presence of God is here and he can move through your, through your life, in your seat, wherever you might be this morning. But sometimes it just helps to know that someone is standing with you. That as you're in this space going, you know what, maybe I, I just want to press on for what God has. I know that he is a good God and I trust him this morning. And so I'd love someone to pray with me. We'll, our staff and leaders will be waiting down the front. We would love to just stand with you and just pray with you. But for the rest of us, I, I just want to think this morning, we just spend a little bit of time in his presence, honouring for who he is, pressing into what he has for us, but spending time in his presence just to understand what a great God he is. And as we sing these words, we begin to understand how powerful our God is and what we have through him. So I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll spend some time in his presence. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you're a God who is faithful and just, that loves us, that has good plans for our life, that wants us to do good things in, in this world, that you love us, that you care for us and that you never give up on us, God. And so this morning, as we spend time in your presence in the moments that we have together, Lord, may we understand you. May we understand who you are to each one of us. May we absorb the words of these songs that tell us how powerful and great and mighty you are, God. And for those of us who feel like we're on the edge and feel like maybe it's time to give in, God, may you remind us to persist because the things you have for us are good. And so, Lord, we praise you and we lift you up in this place. May your presence be here amongst us. Come on, why don't we begin to sing? And if that's you and you want someone to pray with you, you can make your way down now as well. Come on, let's lift our voices.